Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today for our spring practice week four recap and G-Day preview is my co-host Curtis and honestly it was not as eventful of a week of spring practice as the past couple of weeks not as much news coming out of camp but sometimes that's not such a bad thing because it also means nothing catastrophic happened no potentially season ending injuries or any other devastating news of that sort but still there's plenty to discuss So let's start there before we get into our preview of Saturday's G-Day inside the beautiful confines of Sanford Stadium. And guys, I got to be honest right now, I am pumped for this. I know it's just a spring game, and in reality, it's just one of 15 spring practices. But I was at a tennis clinic earlier this week at the intramural fields here in Athens, and the band actually, I don't know if you guys know this, they have, a, they have like their own little turf field there with the, with the UGA band, the Red Coat Marching Band, actually practices. So the soundtrack to basically my entire clinic was everything that you hear Saturday between the hedges. Krypton, Fanfare, the Bulldog Marching Medley, the fight song, all of that. It was awesome. So I'm sitting there like in the middle of the clinic just singing Hail to Georgia down in Dixie. And I'm just going to stop there because no one wants to hear me sing. But needless to say, that pumped me up. I I was already pumped up, but that got me going. That got the the blood flowing, the juices going. So I am fully ready for G-Day. Just ready to get some football here in this long offseason. It'll be our one glimpse. It is what it is. It's not much, but it's what we've got, and I'm ready for it. I'm very excited for it. But as for the show today, I want to open our recap of week four with a discussion of quarterback Carson Beck. If you've been paying attention, which I know you guys have, if you listen to this show, I know you're paying attention. There's been quite a bit of buzz around the redshirt freshman quarterback this spring that really picked up steam after what was, by most accounts, a really big first spring scrimmage performance. And we didn't bring him up for discussion on the episode last week following that big performance because I was still trying to pump some information from the few contacts I have so that I could bring you guys something I trust a little bit more, maybe than just like internet rumors. But the word I've gotten back does echo most of those rumors and whispers that have been making the rounds on social media and the like. And I've actually had three different people tell me three very similar things about Beck's performance this spring. I got one guy that told me, quote, he's a different guy right now. I was also told that, quote, he throws the best deep ball on the team. And then finally, another guy told me, 
quote, it's all starting to click for him. So all three contacts there had glowing things to say about Carson Beck. Now, I will caution you guys. I I have to do this myself. I have to caution myself here. When you hear these things, take it with a grain of salt because right now in spring drills, I've never really had anyone tell me anything bad about a player during spring practice. You've just got to realize that it's it's all sunshine and rainbows. Hope springs eternal during spring. Everybody is going to be a superstar this time of year. But I've just heard from a lot of different people that I trust read, that kind of matches what you're hearing out there in the social media sphere about Carson Beck having a big spring practice right now, right now really taking a pretty significant step forward in his first spring here in Athens. And I was also told that this past weekend he put together another good scrimmage despite the pouring rain. It was, I mean, it wasn't like a constant rain on Saturday, but it was off and on. And when it was on, it was on. It was pouring rain. And so I'm looking right just after they went out there uh, for the scrimmage, it just started unleashing. So um, even despite that, he still put together a good practice from what I was told. He was actually getting some reps with the first team offense. So Curtis, this is a guy, Carson Beck, that many fans had just kind of written off as a guy who was destined to hit the transfer portal in the next year or two at some point with Obviously, this being JT Daniels' year, and then 2022 setting up as a battle between Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton, who's a 2022 commit right now. And look, I don't speak for everyone in the Georgia fan base. I don't pretend to, but you kind of get the sense that that was the prevailing thought among the rank-and-file Georgia fans. So, Kurt, how surprised are you that Carson Beck is seemingly making a move like this right now during the spring? Honestly, I'm not very surprised. I mean, when you really think about it, the guy's been in the system now about a year. He didn't get spring practice last year, but he had all the practices during the season. Um, so he's had a chance to get comfortable. And then, um, you know, the going into the offseason, I think it's a, a place where someone can make a move. And he's made that move. Um, so it doesn't really shock me that all that much. I mean, the guy has talent. It, he just, you know, was really stunted by not having a spring, and now he is having a spring to go along with the year he had. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me because, first off, I don't think we really would have recruited him if he didn't have talent or if we didn't think he was good. I don't want to say I'm not surprised at all because we basically – well, I, I don't want to say we didn't hear anything about him. I was – I mean, see, I didn't even – everyone annoyed it as the Brock Vandegrift, Gunnar Stockton competition next year. I've always had the idea that it was going to be a Brock Vandegrift and – Carson Beck competition truly and whoever lost it was going to be the one to go now I did assume that it was going to be Vandegrift winning and Beck leaving but I thought Beck would stick it out till next year I I agree with you in that I didn't think Carson Beck was going anywhere until after the competition next year now if he didn't win the job going in 2022 and it's still very real if he does not win the job going in 2022 then there's a very legitimate chance he's still going to be a transfer guy right yeah I'm with you in the idea that let's just not let's not just count this guy out. This is a really talented player. And you're right. We are the University of Georgia. We do not recruit guys that cannot play, that we do not think have a chance to come and not just contribute, but play a big time role for us. And nothing's a guarantee, especially the quarterback position. Nothing's a guarantee. But this is a guy that is very talented. And I'm excited to see what he can do. And let's not forget, this is a guy. His junior year of high school was his first year as a starting quarterback. Prior to that, he was really far more of a baseball guy than a football guy. So really had two years of high school football where he was really going hard at football. 
and it wasn't until his senior year that he gave up baseball to be a full-time football guy. So go back a couple years when we were recruiting him. I told you guys, I think he's really talented, but he's going to be raw coming out of high school. He was productive in high school at Mandarin High School in Jacksonville. They actually took a program that was traditionally, I don't want to say a terrible program, but not a, a traditionally winning program. And they've had a hell of a run through the state playoffs in Florida and won a state title. He was a huge part of that. He put up massive numbers and he had a just an incredible run in the playoffs, putting up massive numbers. Now, he, he did drop off a, a fair amount, more, maybe a little bit more than a fair amount as a senior, but a lot of that had to do with his skill talent around him that all graduated the previous year. Now, as his senior year went on, his numbers did improve, but it certainly was not the year he put up as a junior. But the fact remains, he was going to be raw coming to college relative to some of these other quarterbacks like JT Daniels was coming out of high school that were essentially bred to be starting quarterbacks from day one at the college level. That wasn't him. It didn't mean that he didn't have a high upside. It didn't mean that he couldn't be a good, solid quarterback in the SEC, but it was going to take time. It was never going to happen in year one for him. He, had, he just had too far to go to polish his game, to learn, to read defenses, all those, all those things. And also learning a brand new offense without a spring practice, really without much of a summer in a COVID year. So yeah, it makes sense that we didn't hear a ton about him. Although I did start to hear some things late in the season that this guy was starting to kind of figure it out a little bit, put it together some, and that's only intensified this spring. So to say that I am entirely just taken aback and shocked, stunned by this development that Carson Beck is starting to put it together and make a little bit of move up the depth chart, that would be disingenuous. I'm not stunned by it because I do think he's a talented guy. He showed that in high school. Now it was in starts and fits, especially his senior year, but he showed that he had that talent. It was always just going to take a little bit of time. So now that he's got a full year under his belt, he has more of an understanding of this offense. He's going through his first spring. He's got more confidence. It makes sense that he would start to make a little bit of a move up the depth chart this spring and start to make a little bit of a name for himself and start to impress the coaches and start to earn their trust more than he had as a true freshman. And the physical skill set is impressive, guys. I mean, he's tall, he's good size. He's a little bit on the thin side, but not too thin to be able to play at a high level. He's got a really good arm, puts the ball out there, throws a really strong deep ball. I saw that in high school and a couple of contacts I've talked to have, have all really, really pretty much all emphasized that that he might throw the best deep ball on the team. So I'm excited to see that this week, if, see how true that is. I mean, how much you can tell in, in one little scrimmage. But he has the skill set. He's a mobile guy. Not, he, of course, is not like a, a Justin Fields kind of athlete, not that level athlete, but he's more than functionally mobile, can move around. And that's really all you need to be able to do. You need to be able to escape pressure, maneuver in the pocket, extend the play, those kind of things. And Carson Beck, absolutely is a good enough athlete to do that. Now, again, I don't know if he's going to win the job in 2022, but he's certainly putting himself in a strong position to make a run at that job. And Brock Vandegrift, I mean, of of course Brock Vandegrift is a little bit behind right now because he is brand new, just like Carson Beck was last year. Brock is even newer than Carson Beck was because like he's been on campus for a couple of months. So I'm not giving up on Brock Vandegrift. I'm not, this conversation about Carson Beck is not to say that I'm going to, that we are anointing him as the starting quarterback in 2022. It's just to say right now, the guy is impressing. He's earning the coach's trust. He's moving up the depth chart and he's positioning himself to make a strong run in 2022 when him and Brock Vandegrift and potentially Gunnar Stockton are going to battle it out to see who's going to be that guy to follow JT Daniels. And the next thing I want to ask you about Beck, Curtis, how important is it for 
this 2020 Georgia football team, or I'm sorry, this 2021 Georgia football team. Let's not worry about 2022 yet. Let's just say this, this particular 2021 team. How important is it for this team for Beck to step up and take control of that number two quarterback role? Um, I think it is very important because while Stetson stepped in admirably last year, we saw that realistically we're not going to win games with him. And I think Beck or, you know, whoever truly wins that position, he could be a difference maker more so than what you saw out of, Car- or out of uh, Stetson Bennett. And so I think that is important in the fact that you still have to have a guy that you're confident enough to win you a game out there. But don't you – I mean, Stetson can go win us a game, right? He won some games in the SEC for us last year. I just don't, don't think – what but you're he, Yeah, he's not a difference maker enough in the fact of like a big-time game. He's not going to make those throws that we truly need. And I think um, Beck has a, bit, a little bit better arm strength and arm ability in the passing game to be a difference maker more so of Stetson. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I think it comes down to ceiling here. Like, we know Stetson can go win us a game in a, in a, in a tight spot. We saw that happen last year. But you're right. Is he going to go out and beat the Alabamas of the world? Is he going to make those big-time throws to be a team like that? We've, we've been there. We've done that. We've seen it. We've got evidence. No, that's not going to be the case. Doesn't mean he's not a good, solid guy to have on the team. Doesn't mean he's not a valuable part of this team. Doesn't mean he can't help us win some games. But if we're going to try to compete with championships – I think we have enough evidence right now to tell us that Stetson is probably not going to be the guy that's going to do that. And we don't know if Carson Beck will be either. But as you were alluding to, Carson Beck's ceiling is just higher. There's a better chance that if, God forbid, knock on wood, something bad happens to JT. This is football. Things happen. I think if Carson Beck has shown enough and earned the coach's trust enough to become that number two quarterback, I do believe – that his ceiling is higher than Stetson's, and that gives us a chance to potentially still keep championship hopes alive. We don't know. Again, there's no guarantee this guy has not really played any snaps at all at the high, at the college level, or at least meaningful snaps. But I'm with you, Curtis. I, I think we've seen enough from Stetson, and we're hearing enough about Carson Beck. And also, if you just go look at, at his prep career, th- this is a guy that I think has the tools to do it once it all starts to click. And it seems like it's starting to click. So I've I think it'd be best case scenario for us this year with a full year in the system, having much more knowledge of the, of this offense, having a higher physical ceiling than a guy like Stetson Bennett, as valuable as Stetson can be for you. I do think it's best case scenario for this team for Carson Beck to step up and be a legit number two quarterback option that can go out there and potentially win us some big games if, again, God forbid, something happens to JT Daniels. All right, now, Curtis, I know this next question is going to sound crazy. Because Kirby has already come out and said that JT Daniels is his starting quarterback, which he has essentially never done before in his time here in Athens. So that tells you something in terms of the confidence he has in JT and how entrenched JT is as that QB1. But as much as we're talking about Carson Beck here and, and how important it is for him to step up and become QB2, why stop at QB2? Let's just go all in here. What chance do you give Carson Beck of taking an even bigger step in legitimately challenging Daniels for the QB1 job. Is that just like completely out of left field? Yeah, that's a clear-cut 0%. You want to have it, especially as you saw last year, you never know when a guy's going to be thrust into the spotlight. So you want to have him get reps with ones, and you can say, wow, he's getting reps with ones. But, I mean, look at all the guys Kirby's cross-training throughout offensive line, defensive line. They used to spring for that. So, no, I think there's a 0% chance he's going to make that massive of a step. I agree with you. I just we we have to put that out. We just have to throw that out there because he is reportedly. I, I'm hearing that he ha- he has been getting some reps with the ones. But again, let's not draw any crazy conclusions from that. We're reporting what we're hearing, but that's not altogether unusual. If you're if the if the number two guy 
I mean, again, God forbid, at some point might have to go out there in a pinch if something happens to the court, the number one quarterback. He's got to have at least some reps with the number one unit, but he's clearly not. Especially as you saw last year where Juwan was struggling so much, and we had to throw out Stetson, who had only been getting reps primarily on practically the walk-ons. Yeah, exactly. And and we're fortunate. I mean, that, that Stetson was able to kind of step in without missing too much of a beat. But that was one of the, the issues that we had with JT. Once he got healthy last year, he just had basically no reps with the one. So it's really hard to throw him out there when he hasn't been repping with those guys. So you've got to get the number two quarterback reps, the ones, you know, which about 10, 15 percent of them. You don't get a ton of reps, but you're going to get some. Again, I just don't like that's happening, but that's not altogether uncommon. Let's not draw any crazy conclusions there. Yeah, I'm but Georgia fans first. not draw crazy conclusions. Never. No, never, man. Never. We would never, ever, ever do that. Um, that's why I threw this question out there. Is I, I've seen on, I've actually gotten some questions on social media. It's like, do you think, man, like I heard he's taking reps of the ones. Like, does this mean that maybe he's making a push for Daniels or the coach is not happy with Daniels? I'm like, guys, calm down, calm down. All is good. JT's the guy. And this is actually good news that our coach is starting to trust Carson more and he's taking more. So I think that's good news, but no, he's not going to take JT Daniels' job. I just have to throw that question out there. Believe it or not, I have gotten a couple of inquiries over the past week or two about that. Like, can he potentially do that? And it's like, no, no, no. And if he did, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but if he did, whatever, that's fine. I just want the best guy to play. If he's that good that he's overtaking JT Daniels, then awesome. But I'm with you, Curtis. I just... I see it. I don't like to speak in absolute, so I'll say a point zero 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 one percent. All right, we'll go with that. This just I just don't see that happening. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. But all right, let's move on and talk about the offensive line. Enough about the quarterbacks. Let's talk about Tate Ratledge who's another player I've been hearing very positive reviews about really throughout the spring. He has been playing primarily guard. And it's apparently been impressive, like I said, all spring long. I was told, quote, he isn't playing around this spring. That's a quote I got for you guys. Uh, take that for whatever it's worth. But he's apparently even starting, just like um, Carson Beck, he's starting to get some work with the first-team offense. And just like Carson Beck, let's not draw any crazy conclusions there, but he is starting to get some – work with the first-team offense. But, Kurt, right now we are kind of in this weird place where we're just relying on what other people are seeing and what they're telling us. Like, I, I gave you guys a quote there, but, I mean, that's just – that's secondhand. I don't know. I haven't seen the guy. I can't wait for G-Day so I can actually see what's going on there. But we're in this weird spot because we don't have access to practice or scrimmages, and it's hard to know exactly how much stock to put in what you are hearing. But let me just ask you about Ratledge here. How much stock are you putting into this Tate Ratledge buzz? Can he really contend for a starting guard spot? 
Um, I'm actually putting a lot into it because I actually thought when we recruited him that he was better suited long term at the guard position. And I honestly don't believe guards is locked down as it is um, outside of wanting to play Salyer there. Because honestly, I mean, I've made it known. I think Justin Schaefer, God bless his soul. He's a hardworking guy, whatever you want to say. But he's just not fit to be a starting guard in the SEC. Um, and, that, and that's my opinion. I stick by it. So I think that, that and what you're hearing, too, kind of goes along with that. And the fact that that's where the true competition is for that guard position, um, if there is one right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems to be. I mean, Salyer is a guy that he we know he's going to play somewhere on the line. He's that good. He's that talented. The coaches trust him. Let's talk about Justin Schaefer. All right. I, I know that. We've been critical, especially you. I know you, you've been you've been on Justin Schaefer for years now. So this is a guy that's used this. He's using his COVID year. He's coming back. What is this like his sixth year at this point? Fifth or sixth year? He's coming back. We didn't really feels expect like him. It. Yeah, it feels like it, exactly. But he's coming back. Do you really, in your heart of hearts, do you really think that the coaches are going to start someone else over? And I know Kirby always talks about it's a meritocracy. We've got competition in every spot. But this is a guy that didn't have to come back. He's been a starter for uh, – well, he has a full year starting under his belt last year. Do you really think the coaches are going to put someone else ahead of him at this point? I mean, my biggest thing is, is he the best guy for your team right now? And I honestly don't believe it. Um, and maybe they'll play him and give him a chance. But if he can't hold off the guys, you can't let him hold your team back. I mean, my, my biggest thing when you get down to it is if his, if his draft stock was there, he would have gone pro. But the fact of the matter is the scouts weren't calling. You know, the people weren't yeah, calling. And that's the biggest thing. And, um, I mean, just because a kid wants to go and you th- maybe think, hey, he, you know, we want him to go pro. We want him to do all these things. We want him to be successful, yes. But it can't be at the detriment of your team. And the thing is, the guy has gotten better every year, yes, but he does not fix the certain things that are his deficiencies and that it continue to plague him. So it's just a terrible pad level and – um, you know, the use of his hands, things like that. He, he doesn't improve it. So what am I just thinking? stuck in concrete sometimes, sixth, yeah. Yeah, why do I think all of a sudden in his sixth year, he's going to – the light's going to flick on in that one spot? I don't believe it. I mean, that's a really fair assessment. It's hard to argue too much with that. I would just – like, and you're right. Our coaches and Kirby, like, you know, it's a cutthroat business. And, and we've well, seen Especially when he's, he's gotten so close to winning at this point. Like, he can't keep saying next year's the year. Like, if that's guys, if that's the weak link, you can't, yeah, can't put it off. I think. I mean, Kirby has to know the defense that we have to work with. He has to understand that we finally have the quarterback that can really, really lead this offense to national title contention. Not that we haven't been there before, but like we have the legit quarterback that's got the talent to take us there. Uh, I know you can say Justin Fields, but let's not let's not even go there. But we've got the guy right now, so I think Kirby realizes that we we are loaded up here, and we can make one hell of a run towards a potential national title. And you don't want any weak points. And it, it, you're right, Curtis. I mean, look, it's a cutthroat business. It's you got to win. But I mean, our coaches are also human. Right? I guess that's what I'm saying. Our coaches are also human, and you have to think they're going to give Justin Schaefer every possible shot, right? Like, is, can we at least say that they're going to give him every chance? Because Oh, can, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, especially, especially G-Day and going into the fall, he'll be the guy. But you can only give them so much leeway before you're like, dude, you've had every opportunity. Like, you haven't taken the horse by the reins. Yeah, it's fair. And look, again, I go back to what I was saying, kind of introducing this question. We haven't seen Tate Rattledge. I have not really seen Tate Rattledge play at all at the college level. Okay, so it's it's really tough to assess that. But, but I, can I, tell I don't you think what, I don't think it's just Tate Rattledge. I think that position is open. I mean, we have a lot of guys that can fill in at that guard position. 
and I don't care who it is. I don't think Justin Schaefer is our best best option. Yeah, what if what if what if, and there's a lot of moving parts here. What if we decide? Because I've also heard that a guy like Cedric Van Pran at center is really starting to make a move. What if what if the coach would decide? You know what we think he's our best option at center and now but Warren Erickson we've also seen Warren Erickson play guard he can play guard so does Warren Erickson if he loses the center job does he get into that guard conversation in that battle that could throw a whole wrench in it there I as mean well. maybe you even try to throw a Marius Mims like maybe he doesn't win a tackle position but you want to cross train him and he's just so athletic that you can't keep him off the field there's all these like you said there's all these variables but the the, the constant variable and the one that's not changing is Justin Schaefer that he's that you just you're just still not buying that he's a guy that can be a, a big time starter on a national championship team. No, and I mean I, I you know I have the same opinion about Zeus. God, I love him too. I I love Zeus a lot, but I especially with everything you're hearing about Kendall Milton, people like that, like yeah. you're just gonna be taking opportunities from guys that are probably better than you. But you know we love you. You've been around. You've worked hard. We want to give you your shot, but. You just can't do that. I mean, that's not yeah. when you're paid big bucks, you can't do that for an entire year. I'm going to ask you, I, we're, we'll come back to Rylage in a second. We're not done with that, but you just brought up Zeus. Um, I did get somebody was talking about, I forget who it was, um, DM me the other day. Was, there was a, they linked an article. I think it was, it was one of the Dog Nation beat writers, Mike Griffith, maybe I want to say, um, that had written an article or a piece, and he was criticizing Del McGee for being, like, too loyal to Zamir White. And that's saying, like, it's – I mean, I, I kind of skimmed through the article, but I guess the thing was that it's pretty clear that some of our other running backs are probably more talented. They perform better in their limited time than Zamir White has. He has some pretty clear limitations, which we've talked about a lot on this show. Really good player, really talented player, but we have some other really talented young guys. So is do you think Del McGee and our coaches have kind of the same question with Justin Schaefer? Are they being loyal to a fault to a guy like Zamir White? I think they are. Um, I mean, Zeus is not bad. I'm not saying that. But the fact of the matter, he's not the best guy. We even said last year that we thought Kenny McIntosh was better. Uh, Kendall Milton was coming in. The holes weren't always there, just like they weren't with Zeus. But the fact is they have better vision. They have better cuts. They're, they run stronger. They run – they just – I mean, even Kendall Milton was a better goal line um, person than what you saw to Zeus. Think of all the times he was stuffed – Short yardage because he, he has his no head vision. Down and just tries to plow ahead. He doesn't see in those short and, yards. And, and that's that's my point. Like it almost is to a detriment because you're like these guys can make that play, but you're not. And that one cut, that one vision, that one little thing is the difference between a two yard gain or a ten yard gain or even a big play. And I just. Uh, but I, here's I mean, the I thing. Mean, Zeus is considered one of the best leaders on the team. Players love the guy. They trust the guy. They respect the guy. So that also factors in. I, mean, I guess it's not just a performance on the field thing. It's also you want to have your leaders out there in the field. But at some point, I think you're right. You have to put the guys that are performing at the highest level out in the field. When, and, how can the younger guys become leaders and gain trust if you don't give them the opportunity when they are the better people? Yeah, that's very fair. Here's what I'll say about Zeus. I, and and here's pretty, the thing, too. Like, if you're, you're pushing these kids away, like younger people, you're going to say, oh, we'll get you in there. You know, we like to play younger people. Look at this. But they're saying, well, look, if there's an older guy above me and I'm better than him, I'm probably not going to play because you're going to be loyal. And does that make yeah. you make me want to come there? No. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that goes to recruiting. We know how important that is for Kirby. But here's what I'll say with Zeus. I think I, – like, I don't know. We'll see. I'm pretty confident, though, if I had to bet right now, that Zamir White will remain the starter. He'll start the games. But that does not mean that he's going to get as many carries as he got down the stretch last year when guys like – Kendall Milton are healthy and playing like they are. Apparently, we haven't seen him. I'm very excited to see him on G-Day. We'll talk about that in our preview here in a few minutes. Uh, Kenny McIntosh gets back. James Cook. 
Uh, Dejan Edwards, and I know it was, you know, spot duty in garbage time, but it looked pretty good and got opportunities as well. So I don't know. I think he'll be the starter, but I do think guys like uh, Kendall, Kendall Milton, Kenny McIntosh start eat, are going to start to eat into those carries. And I think, you know, honestly, I'll go back to Mike Griffith. I do think there's maybe a little something to that that they are. I don't say, I don't know if it's loyal to a fault, but they are being very loyal to a guy like Zamir White, who has performed well, who's done good things for us. He's a very good back. I love the guy, as you said. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's the guy that should be getting the majority of the carries. We'll see how that plays out. But going back to Tate Ratledge real quick, one other thing I want to mention here, Curtis, when you're looking at, like, does Tate Ratledge have a chance to take over a guard spot? Might it come down to potentially who our coaches like better? Do they trust a guy like Tate Ratledge at guard more than they trust somebody at left tackle like, let's say, uh, Xavier Truss or Broderick Jones could potentially come down to that because if we don't, if we trust Ratledge, maybe there's a way, a situation where Schaefer and Ratledge start the guards, and we just keep Salyer out at left tackle if we trust him, if we trust Ratledge more than we trust those potential guard prospects. Does that make sense? You think that's a possibility? I mean, it makes sense, but if that's where we're at, then we're in trouble because either way, if Justin Schaefer is trotting out there as your starting guard, you're in trouble because. He's going. He's a, li- a huge liability in pass pro. Doesn't get off the ball well in running situations. So either way, it doesn't matter. You're, the middle's going to be plugged up as long as he's playing there consistently. So the experience to you is is a non-factor. I mean, experience only goes so far to the point where you're, you're like you're just not it. I mean, Tate Rallich has all the things that. I mean, I, we still have to see him, but when you think about it, he has all the things that Justin Schaefer doesn't with, especially his deficiencies. Like you're talking about the stone, you know, standing in concrete. Tate Rowledge was, a, a, you know, set to play tackle. Like the guy has better footwork. Um, he has all these things that Justin Schaefer doesn't have. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear. This is me basing off what I saw coming out of high school. Rowledge was a big-time prospect, guys, and he was a really good player in high school. I think he has the higher ceiling. I think he has better physical tools. It's just a matter of how, how, how close does he get to that right and, now. And you can't continue to be loyal to a fault and run these kids off, and all of a sudden you need them, and you're like, oh, have the the depth I used to have because I was dumb and loyal to a fall and let the better kid walk away. Yeah, that, that's not how you build a roster. That's not how you maintain a roster. Or that's not, not how you manage a roster. You're exactly right. So it's going to be very interesting, interesting to see how that plays out. But Tate Rather just certainly making the move there. And uh, we'll see, uh, I guess, come Saturday, how he actually looks in person. I cannot wait for that. And You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. That is going to lead us into the last part of today's show. We're going to transition to a quick G-Day preview. I say quick because, guys, spring games are what they are. Uh, Like, you know, it's great, but... How much do you really learn? I don't know. Um, and given that this will be our first and only look at the team this spring, it really is a fool's errand to even try to predict what's going to happen. Like I've seen a couple, maybe not so much for Georgia, for G-Day, but as all these spring games come up, like 
I'm seeing these articles and on different outlets, like trying to predict what's going to happen for that particular spring game. It's like, why are you even trying? Like no one has any clue. You just, to me, that just amounts to throwing something against the wall. So we're not going to do that to me. That just doesn't make all that much sense, but we still want to talk about G day. It's still a, a big day on the, on the offseason calendar. So what we're going to do to preview G day is pretty simple here. We're going to give you three things that each of us will be watching most closely this Saturday inside Sanford stadium. I think that makes a lot more sense. I'm just going to talk about what we're going to be focusing on. Of course, next week when we come back and have our G-Day reaction episode, we'll talk all about those things. So, Curtis, do you want to start us off? What are the three things that you're going to be watching most closely this weekend? Um, I think you. it comes down to um, start with wide receivers. I think that's a big thing everyone's going to be want to look at, especially after Pickens going down. Um, you want to see if D-Rob has actually made this jump that everyone's saying he has uh, or if he's just the same old D-Rob that was just making some plays. Um, you also want to look at Justin Robinson, people like that, to see what they are doing. Um, some of these young guys, you get to, have to take that in just see what we're working with going forward. Um, second off, I think it's a no-brainer. You also got to think secondary. Um, what are we doing? How's that developing? And then, I mean, the offensive line is the easy answer, so I'm going to go outside linebackers where you have Nolan Adam Anderson stepping into that role. Yeah, that's that's going to be a really interesting battle to watch. That, like, I don't want to say battle. Both those guys are going to play. I'm also curious. Not, I mean, I, I feel really good about what we have with Adam Anderson. I think we, we have a pretty good frame of reference in terms of what we have with him. I feel good about Nolan Smith, but it's, it'll be nice to see as he take another step, you know, as much as you can tell in a spring game, but also some of those guys behind him. What about a guy like Robert Beal, who, st- who was going to potentially transfer, but he stuck around. Is this guy going to be able to kind of be a part of the 2D? Uh, look at a guy like Chaz Chandler's coming in as, as an early enrollee. You've heard, you've heard a few good things about him. He's a guy that practices real hard. He's tough. He's a kind of a workout warrior. What does he look like in his first spring? I'm sure his head will be spinning. But just kind of watch that position. That's, that's a good one, Curtis. I didn't have that one on my list. So, all right, you stole a couple of mine, which I thought you might. I had wide receiver play. Um, I'm very, that's probably the top of my list right now, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't just want to copy there, but that's, that's gotta be the top of my list because obviously with Pickens going down, we need to see, do we have guys that can be the impact type wide receivers that can dictate coverage? Because we've all watched caution ball. We talked about it so much last year. It's become an offensive game and receivers are a huge part of that. Yes. You've got to have the quarterback. That's the most important position on the field. But if you have the elite wide receivers to go with the elite quarterback, Man, you are in really good shape. So it's, we need to see, do we have some of those guys? Because Jermaine Burton's not going to be playing, but I feel good about Jermaine Burton. I feel like we know what we have there. It, it'd be nice to see him out there, see if he's taking that next step. Can he become an alpha in the absence of George Pickens? I think the answer is yes. It'd be nice to see it in G-Day, but we're not going to find out right now. But Arian Smith is a guy that I really want to see. He's a guy that I think has the potential to dictate coverage in a different way than George Pickens. But I, I want to see... With, without Jermaine Burton, without George Pickens, he'll probably be the top guy out there. At least, not, I mean, I'm anticipating him being that guy. Can like, How good is he? Like, how We know how fast he is, but is he, is he running routes crisply? Does he, does he understand the offense? Is, is he settling down in zone coverage? All those kind of things. D-Rob, we've talked about him this spring. Is the buzz real with D-Rob? All right, is this guy really stepping up in his final go-around here in Athens where he can be a, a big-time contributor for us? I I'm very hesitant there. I'm kind of in believe it when I see it mode. Maybe I'll see it. Maybe I'll become a believer on Saturday. I, I'm certainly looking close to that. A Donnie Mitchell, a guy that I, I had his I, – God, I butchered his name. I, I think I called him Adonai Mitchell. I didn't know how to pronounce his name. Never anyone actually say it. But I finally heard people say it. It's Adani Mitchell. Um, we've heard some buzz about him as an early enrollee. Is this guy going to be someone that can go out there and not be George Pickens in his first year, 
but can he go out there and make some of those George Pickens type plays? That's what you've heard a little bit coming out of camp. That if there's anybody like that's him in in Justin Robinson. And then you mentioned Justin Robinson as well. He's kind of he's been battling a little bit of an Achilles injury lately, but hopefully he'll be out there on Saturday. So just a wide receiver play is the buzz real. That's number one on my list. You mentioned DB play, Curtis. I mean, obviously, I don't need to go too much in depth there. I feel pretty good about the safeties, but cornerback especially, seeing guys like Jalen Kimber, Keely Ringo in his first action in Athens. Amir Speeds, a guy who's been around forever. Is he finally ready to take a step? It'd be nice to kind of see those guys in action. Uh, but the two that you didn't have on your list that I'm going to throw in there as well, uh, we just talked about the offensive line. I'm really interested in both tackle positions. I've been pretty open throughout this offseason that I'm just not convinced the way we ended the season at tackle uh, in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl with Xavier Trust at left tackle and McLennan at right tackle, I'm not convinced that's what our offensive line is going to look like, and I'm not convinced those are the best guys for that job. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. It's certainly possible. I haven't seen any of spring practice at this point, but I know we have a lot of young guys, a couple of young guys, that I think have higher ceilings in Broderick Jones and Amarius Smims. I know that Jones has been really working hard. He's been making a little bit of a move here this spring as well. So I'm very anxious to see those guys and to see can they have they improved enough? I mean, Mims, look, this of course he's one of those guys in early role. His head's going to be spinning. I don't expect him to look dominant out there, anything like that. But I just want to see him in action. Broder Jones is the guy that I'll probably be watching more closely. I'll be watching Xavier Trust as well, Warren Clinton, see if those guys have made strides. But we have to be able to protect, like an obvious news of the day, though, we know we got to be able to protect JT Daniels. I'm convinced that we have the skill talent. I'm convinced that we have the quarterback that we need. We've just got to be able to hold up in protection right now. And I think if you're looking at any potential weakness on the offense, I know people are worried about receiver right now. I'm really not all that worried about receiver. I think we have some guys. Of course, I want to see it, but I, I, I'm pretty confident we have some guys that can play. I'm more worried about the offensive line. I really am. I, I mean, I think we have the talent there. I just don't know how it's all going to shake out. So I'm very anxious to see what the tackle position looks like and how those contenders perform on Saturday. And then finally, we're, we all know JT's the guy. We mentioned it earlier. We know he's QB1. But I'm not worried about that. I want to – so it's not like I'm worried about the quarterback battle. I want to see – has JT taken control of this offense? As much as we can tell in one little spring scrimmage, who knows how much he'll play? He might not even play that much. But I want to say, has he taken command of this team? Has he improved some of the mechanical issues that we've kind of highlighted at times throughout this offseason? That's something I'm very interested in. Obviously, of course, mentioned Carson Beck. Is that hype real? All right. Has, has he made the strides? Does he throw the deep ball as well as I've been hearing he throws the deep ball? All of those things. So yeah, those are the kind of those are that's more than three, but you know I get excited about these things, so I'll give you a couple bonus ones there. But regardless, I mean basically I want to see everything, but those are the, at the top of my list there. And of course, we'll be back next week to break it all down for you guys. But that does it for us today here on the Glory UJ podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. Hope everyone gets a chance to make it out to G Day. Those of you who can't, uh, I think it's Kurt it's on ESPN Plus this year, right? Yeah, ESPN's finding a way to make you pay. Yeah, well, they're, they're making this push on ESPN+. Plus. I mean, even with a new SEC deal that goes into effect in a couple of years, there's going to be SEC games on, on ESPN+. Plus. So they're trying to go the streaming route. So instead of putting it on SEC Network or ESPNU or even ESPN whatever, a lot of these SEC spring games are on ESPN+. Plus. So uh, hopefully you guys have that. Or maybe you can just buy like a – maybe you can do a trial run for the weekend. I don't know if they even offer those right now. But if you, if you make it out, hope you guys have a great weekend at Athens. It looks like it might be raining a little bit. I hope it holds off enough for G-Day. But regardless, rain or shine, I'll be out there. And um, it'll, be, it'll be great, man. It'll be great to be out, out there in Sanford Stadium. But whatever you guys end up doing, enjoy your weekend. And we'll be back next week. 
For Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>